0: Morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, just As you think of it, this week you can pray for Mary Lou. We, uh, Some of us gathered and prayed for her between services. Uh, she leaves for Israel on Thursday with the team of Georgian Banoff. If you remember, Georgian was here a couple of months ago. She's going to Israel to bless the whole place. So, that's okay. pray. Uh, would you stand with me for a minute? We're going to pray. Um, it, it is Super Bowl Sunday. But don't worry, the theme of the message is has nothing to do with it, I promise. And I personally don't care who wins the game, you know, who wins the game as long as it's the Giants. So it doesn't... Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to do. Um, I really don't care. I'm kidding. Um, But this is what I would like to do as we pray this morning. Um, It's interesting that the eyes of the nation and the eyes of many in the world are uh, focused on Indianapolis. And um, what I want to pray for is the blessing of God, His presence, His love, and His power in our midst in the city while so many people look at us. And so, if you're able to multitask in prayer, as I pray, I would just ask you, sort of in your mind, visualize um, the street you drove out of your neighborhood in today, the city streets that you saw, the, um, the subdivisions you went by. Uh, maybe you drove by the skyline. Maybe you on 465 this morning. Um, think of the, I don't know how many churches you probably drove by on your way to this church this morning. And if you could, just be present to all that's here in the city. And let's ask God to bless the city today with his presence. So let's pray. Lord, uh, we don't believe that uh, we are a special city just because the Super Bowl is here. But Lord, I know that we are a special people because your love is directed towards us. And so I ask, uh, collectively we ask in the name of Jesus that you would pour out and release your presence on us as a city today. I ask Holy Spirit that you would work in each uh, on each street and each home in each neighborhood those businesses that uh, are represented by people here those workplaces those schools Lord the many churches that we passed on the way here and the, and the hundreds and hundreds of others Lord that we don't even know about. We ask, God, for your blessing. Pray that Jesus will be raised up in those churches, that those churches will be provided for and cared for, that they'll encounter you, God, and that from that encounter they'll take your presence everywhere they go. We ask for unity in the church in this city. We ask that as the nation looks at our city today, the nations would see us loving one another in the kingdom and us looking outside of ourselves to bless the world with what we've been given in Jesus. So that's our prayer, Lord. We ask today for a Super Sunday that's marked by unity, by love, by revival in this place. We ask that you give us grace to hear and to understand and to apply what we see from the Scripture this morning, that we would walk out of here this afternoon looking more like Jesus, We pray in his name. Amen. You can be seated. I just kind of figure if you're going to pray to the creator and the ruler of all things, you might as well ask for big stuff. So that's what I try to do. Um, Just sort of uh, put a little exclamation point on a couple of Mary Lou's announcements. Uh, It seems to me there's kind of a window of opportunity in the church right now. And I don't mean that in some sort of big prophetic uh, window open to heaven type thing, though that's possible too. Uh, there's just a lot of training opportunity right now in the church. Um, so we're about to go into 24-7. That's an opportunity for every single one of you to spend hours and hours in God's presence right here in the prayer room in the church to encounter God and to take that encounter out into the world. The classes that are going on right now, even if you didn't sign up for those classes, uh, you're welcome to come to those. Um, so if you want to know about more about Alpha or Going Deeper or the Hearing God class on Thursday nights, all that information's out on the growth board. I just encourage you to take advantage of it. Be a part of it. Um, uh, there was some training for praying for the sick yesterday, HOTS training they called it, healing on the streets, kind of fun. And uh, there's, uh, I don't know, 20 or 30 people on their way downtown right now to set up a hot spot and, um, and in a very unobtrusive, very uh, people-and-God-honoring way just offer to pray for sick people so that God can invade their lives with healing. Um, I'm going to actually get on a bus at 123 over at J.C. Penney's and go down and do the same. Anyone want to come? You're welcome to come with me. Um, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, the Midtown Vineyard, uh, just uh, Butler-Tarkington area here in the city, they're sponsoring a healing uh, seminar all day long. Rick Evans from the Cleveland Vineyard will be there uh, just talking about how to pray for the sick, again, in the same way. So uh, if you want to be a part of that or gather with others, from our church to go there together. That info's at the resource uh, um, center. So, um, I got this strange vision this morning. I was praying beforehand of a tulip bulb. Maybe some of you have a difficult time imagining yourself as a tulip bulb. Um, but I, I think what the Lord was saying was, it's a season for us to, uh, to grow our roots deep. You know, you stick a tulip bulb in the, in the ground in the fall, and what do you see? Nothing for months. And what that bulb is doing is it's it's uh, grasping um, nutrients. It's growing its root system. And then what's going to happen in the spring is the fragrance and aroma of beauty is going to come out. And um, I think that's us. I think we have a season the next six or eight weeks in the church to really go deep with our roots so that the fragrance of Christ can be released among us. Uh, that's my prayer for us. So, um, hey, go after it. Why not? <clears throat> okay. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22 today. Uh, if you've missed uh, any or all of the series that we're in, sit, walk, and stand on the book of Ephesians, uh, you can get all those messages on the website, indyvineyard.org, and uh, hear all the introductions and so forth. So, uh, but uh, let's read this uh, word from God. This was written um, by the Holy Spirit through the hand of Paul, the apostle, 2,000 years ago, to Ephesus, to the crossroads of Asia. And today we sit at the crossroads of the United States and we hear the same word and God has something he wants to say to us from it. So this is the word of God, Ephesians 2. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross interesting phrase here thereby killing the hostility and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the father so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. <clears throat> and you may be thinking to yourself, well Randy's pretty good, but <laughs> you never going to get through all that in the next 20 minutes. Apparently, you weren't thinking that at all. Um, (laughs) In in the previous messages, I have kind of gone verse by verse. Um, This is power-packed, this text, with cultural and theological concepts. And they're important. I mean, God, by the Holy Spirit, wanted to say a lot of stuff 2,000 years ago to the the church in Ephesus. Um, We could spend months pulling this apart. I'm not going to do that this morning. Because I think there's a message that the Lord has for us, Vineyard Community Church 2012, from this passage. And so I want to use this passage as a launch pad to go to this one truth, which is this. In Jesus, we possess a powerful peace. In Jesus, we possess a powerful peace. If you're in Christ this morning, he's in you, you possess a powerful peace. You have it. So, this may seem like a silly question in such an anxiety-ridden world, but why peace? That's the big deal about peace, you know? Who needs it, right? Like here this morning just has, you know, way too much peace in their, in their life. Nobody with extra, no. Peace is huge for us, as it was for them. So let's just uh, start at the beginning of the verse and see why the need for peace in Christ. If you look at the beginning of the verse... Ephesians 2.11. <clears throat> Remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you know, Gentile is just simply who's not Jew, someone who's not Jewish. Someone who doesn't come from a Jewish background. You Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. You were separated from Christ. Circumcision, uh, at that day, at that time, was just simply a physical act that uh, constituted the symbol of of being a part of God's family. Uh, circumcision was like being clean. And so when Paul talks about the uncircumcised, the Gentile, just read these are bad words, okay? This is he's swearing here. He's saying, You were outside of the people of God, you were unclean, you were filthy in God's sight without Christ. Before Jesus did what Jesus did for us, this was our reality. We were outside of the family of God. We had no access to God or his promises. We were separated from Christ. It wasn't just like we saw Jesus, you know, on the other side of the circle and like, oh, there's a big crowd between us. No, he's saying we couldn't see him and we had no access to him. The gulf between us and the Savior before the work of God 2,000 years ago and the work in our own lives was uh, was uh, unattainable. We couldn't make it. We were separated. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You know what he's saying? You guys were not God's people. You were aliens. Now, some of us still feel a little bit like aliens, you know? And we feel a little alienated sometimes. Paul was saying you were strangers. You could not be understood. Nor could you understand God before Christ. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. I mean, it's an interesting phrase. I won't go uh, far into it, but strangers to the covenant of promise, we were without hope. And then Paul goes on, and he just kind of puts a, uh, a summary on it. You are <coughs> having no hope and without God in the world. Does anybody here remember what it was like before Jesus invaded their lives to be in the world without hope and without God? I do. It, it was awful. The fear. Of recognizing that in this world, I was all by myself. I'm alone. I have no hope. I have no God. Paul says this was our state. We were at enmity with God. So we're alienated from God. We've got conflict with people. Many of us had conflict within ourselves. It's me fighting against me half the time. You ever feel that? Paul says you were in an enemy war. You were under, you were subject to hostility and you're on the losing side. Now, I, I spend all that time there just because, as I said in past weeks, Paul spends a lot of time reminding us where we were before Christ so that we can learn to relish where we are in Christ. Hostility is where, is where we were. And you think to yourself, you know, man, he's making a big deal out of hostility. But it was real. I mean, you have to understand when Paul as a Jew is writing to Gentiles, What, what this concept of Gentile and Jew coming together under one God felt like. It was weird. William Barclay was the commentator of the last century. This is how he describes it. The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. The Gentiles, said the Jews, were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. Anybody doesn't have it yet? God, they said, loved only Israel of all the nations that he'd made it was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need. For that would simply to be to bring another Gentile into the world. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death hostility. It was serious. And you think to yourself, wow, 2,000 years ago, they really couldn't work it all out. We've come a long way since then, right? I want to tell you a story about a woman named um, Dorothy Sophia Shapoff. I guess is you've never heard of her. Dorothy Sophia Shapoff was born in 1890 in the country of Latvia in, the, in a Jewish family. Completely Jewish heritage all the way through her background. <clears throat> Latvia, you know, a little Baltic state over there in Central Europe. She came to the United States roughly 1903, 1904, something like that, and settled in Covington, Kentucky. <clears throat> and of all the things that could happen, to, they called her Sophie, Sophie Shapoff, she met, drumroll please, a Lutheran <laughs> named Otto Freckman. And she married Otto Freckman to become Sophie Freckman, and they had three children in Covington, Kentucky. Immediately upon her marriage to Otto Freckman, Sophie's father said the words that maybe you've only seen in the movie. He said to her, you are dead to me. And from that minute, Sophie never saw her parents again, never saw her family again. None of Sophie's children or grandchildren ever saw their grandparents or great-grandparents. She was completely cut off. She was dead. The hostility remained. And probably the reason you don't know much about Sophie Shapoff and the reason I do know so much about her is because she was my grandmother. My great-grandmother. And uh, my great-grandmother held that hostility for her entire life. I probably have told this story before. I, I hate to say it's a joke, but it's just the reality. When she died at 106 years old, at 105, she still had a boyfriend in the nursing home. Not a joke. She drove him away quickly, but she brought him to. At 105, at 105, I remember my father turning to me and saying, "She's too mean to die." She died at 106. Hostility remains. I mean, this is what Paul's talking about—that type of hostility between man and God, between people and people between races and ethnic groups. And I don't have to talk a lot about what happened just the last century in our own cultural context. Because whereas it used to be Jew-hating Gentile, we know what happens when the Gentiles took up the recourse. When the Gentiles took up the recourse against the Jews, we know what that looked like. And no longer were we talking about just figurative death. We're talking about putting to death millions and millions of people. Hostility. And we see that hostility working itself through the human race between God and man, people and people, races and races over and over and over again. I I can remember a a conversation 20 years ago with three refugees from, these are not them, (laughs) but they represent the countries where these people came from. (laughs) You may recognize some of these people. I talked to these three men outside the refugee camp from three different countries in the Middle East and me and my complete Uh, innocence, no, stupidity. I said, oh, you're all from the Middle East. You guys should be friends. And I start introducing these people from different uh, countries and ethnic groups and races to each other. And my true friend in the group took me aside afterwards. He said, Randy, don't ever do that again. He said, what you don't know is standing in my position, that man over there is a pig, and that man over there is a dog. We never want to touch them. Hostility, And I talk so much about hostility because we feel it today in the world. We feel it today. We felt it before Christ, and we recognize that hostility reigns in so many places in the world right now. It's why Jesus came, and in Jesus we have a powerful peace. Because Jesus came to take care of that hostility. What is so bizarre to me is that the text actually says that the the way that Jesus... Um, took care of the hostility was through death. Paul actually said he killed the hostility. Isn't that just a wild concept? But it's because Jesus killed the hostility between God and man and people and people and races and nations and races and nations because he did it by his own death and not the death of another. That's why Jesus can be the author and perfecter of a powerful peace. Because he didn't make peace by killing somebody else. He made peace by offering his own life. Does that make sense? That's why I say in Jesus, we have a powerful peace. Anytime there's enmity between peoples, you have a fight with your spouse or your children, you have a war with your neighbor, you know, you have a a real war out there in the world, in order for peace to happen, there has to be someone who initiates reconciliation, right? Right? Someone has to be willing to say, all right, I want to move past the hostility. That's what God did in Christ. When we were enemies of God and living as enemies one with another and so many of us enemies within ourselves, God said, I'm going to make a a conciliatory gesture. I'm going to bring reconciliation. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm sending Jesus. I'm sending you. You're going to go. You're going to show them what love looks like the perfect love that would even lay down its own life for the sake of friends jesus says but he did it when we were enemies i mean that's the god that lives within us that's a powerful peace that god initiated through christ he destroyed the hostilities and he did it through his own death <clears throat> verse 13 and 14 jesus says he uh, uh, paul says jesus killed the hostility. He is our peace. Let's read that. Second verse there. For He Himself is our peace. Pause on that one for a second. This hear the reality, hear the truth. You can look to God in your own heart and say, Jesus Himself is my peace. He went, He, he came, He drew He drew me near by His blood. He shed his blood so that I could come near to God so my imperfection would be to God holiness. He himself is our peace. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus offers peace. And the Bible doesn't say that he's just the ruler of peace. And the the Bible clearly doesn't say that Jesus wrote a really good book about peace that you should get on Amazon. The Bible says Jesus himself is our peace. If you're in Christ, You have peace. That's a hard one to take for some of us. I'm going to prove it to you mathematically, all right? Why is that funny? Uh, I had to look this one up because I couldn't remember myself. But the transitive property of equality, okay? Remember this one from some high school math? If A equals B and B equals C, then you can say it with me, then A equals C. Transitive property of equality, Right? Now, here is the Ephesians 2.14 property of peace. If you have Jesus, and Jesus is peace, then you can say it. You have peace. It's not an offer of peace. It's not, hey, you ought to put some peace on. You have it. And this is a hard reality, I think, but I think it's the truth that God wants to penetrate our hearts with this morning. In Jesus, you have a powerful peace. It's resident within. It's resident within. You don't have to work for peace. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when it's hard to keep yourself in the peace of God, okay? I'm not saying it's mystical, magical. We've got to walk out this truth. And the fact is, when you want peace with another person, you can't control people. How many people have figured out by this time in life, you can't control other people? You can't do it. That's why Paul says, as far as it is up to you, live at peace with all men. Because you don't get to control other people. But here's the reality we live in. We have peace if we have Christ. Because Jesus himself is our peace. This is not a hope for the future. This is not an invitation to a promise. This is a current state and a present reality. We have the peace of Christ. John uh, fourteen twenty seven. 27, it's not on the screen. Um, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, My peace I leave with you. Remember this? My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus didn't say you can pick up some peace when you need it. He said, I'm giving you my peace. It, these are the words of, of God. I'm giving you my peace. My peace. The, the peace of Jesus is perfect because everything about him is perfect. So when he gives you your peace, you got peace. You have perfect peace. And so later in uh, Ephesians, when Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll get there in a month or two, Paul says this, And here's another one of your weapons. You have the gospel of peace. Isn't it interesting that the peace that we carry because of Jesus is a weapon of warfare against the enemy. Because Jesus killed all hostility by his own blood. I know the concept's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, and I'm I'm not saying it eloquently. But the reality is that in Jesus, we have a powerful peace. It's resident within. And the emphasis in Ephesians is so often, this is what's true about you because of Jesus. And so, you know, we've talked about you're chosen in Christ. You've been redeemed by by Christ. You carry the gospel of good news that you never could have earned because of Christ. Lori uh, helped you understand. Uh, helped us understand last week. We carry the hope of heaven. And this morning, we have resident within in Christ a powerful peace. We have it. <clears throat> now, the hard thing is to understand that we have the powerful. Peace of Christ, we possess it. How do we access it? I've got a formula for you. I don't normally give formulas, but I guess I'm on the mode today, you know. I got a formula from Philippians 4. Some of you are familiar with this one. This is the formula for living out the peace that is resident within. You make a deal with God. You make a deal with God. Paul says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, Randy translation, dump your stuff on God. Dump it. Dump your anxiety. Dump your worries. Dump all of the things that you think you have to do that you won't get done. Dump all of the expectations on you that you think I can't meet. This is the command of God through Paul. Dump it all on God. With thanksgiving. God, thank you that you can handle my anxiety. God, thank you that you can handle my strife. Thank you that you can handle the things I can't handle. Thank you that you can handle the things I don't even understand that I don't know. And here's the trade-off. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the deal. That's how we live out the peace that's resident within because of Christ in our lives. And that means that at any moment of every day for the rest of your life, you can make this deal with God at any time. And here's maybe the operative question for the morning, who's guarding your heart and your mind at any one point? And I think that's the point of this passage. I think Paul's saying, you know, who do you want to guard your heart and your mind? Do you want to do it or do you want God's peace to do it? Sometimes I want to think like this more often. Sometimes I think, I'm pretty sure that the wrong person is guarding my heart and my mind right now. Because there's a lot of bad guys getting in. And that's when I have to say, you know what? I can't guard my own heart and mind. So God, I'm going to give all the stuff in my heart and mind to you. Thank you that you can handle it. And I'll I'll take that revelation of your peace to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Can I suggest that you commit this verse to memory within the next hour? Why not? And when it comes back and you realize that you've taken over the guard again and the wrong person's guarding your heart and your mind because you feel enmity and anxiety and hostility, you say, God, I want to change. Let's Change into the guards right here. I'm going to give you all my stuff. Thank you that you can handle it. And the peace of God comes. And it it's true. I don't know what else to say. It's true. It works. It's the gift of God. Verse 17 and 18, we'll close here. Paul's writing, he says, He, meaning Jesus, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. I mean, that's those of us who were really way off and preached peace to those who were near, who probably were just as far off but felt better about yourself. (laughs) He preached peace to everyone who had no chance of being near to God. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That means that every person who is a child of God, Jesus resident within them, through faith, by the grace of God, has access to the Father. That's why right now, in thousands of languages around the world, God's being praised. Jesus is being lifted up, the Holy Spirit's being poured out on all nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples today. Because through Him, who gave Himself for us, we have access to the Father. That means any minute of any day for the rest of your life, you can make the deal with God. He's destroyed the hostility between us and God, between us and others, and even the division and the hostility that we feel within ourselves sometimes. So, a closing question or two. Are you here this morning and you haven't heard anything I said after without hope and without God in the world? Because it struck you and you realized, I walked into church this morning but I'm without hope and without God in the world. It means that you don't have a powerful peace within. It means that you're on your own and... and. The testimony of the scriptures and the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning here is telling you this, you don't have to be without hope. And you don't have to be on your own, alone in the world without God. Jesus says, I came for you. I came for you. And as the rest of us who know Christ is within us are celebrating that in communion, I would ask you, if that's you, to come up to me in the front row or during the ministry time to one of the prayer people and just say, I'm without hope and without God and today I need Jesus and I want the peace that he gives. I'll tell you, your life changes then. You know what? Your life starts then and you get a powerful peace. Some of us are here this morning and there's estrangement and hostility in our human relationships and I just want to tell you that Jesus has defeated it. And God wants to give us access to peace again in our human relationships. We're going to have a part of it. He's going to have a part of it. And the other people have a part of it. But if you're there this morning, then I'd ask you to just remain afterwards. Come and pray with someone in the front because God is all about killing hostility and providing peace. So the communion service can come forward. Let's prepare for communion we'll pray. God, we're thankful that you saw us as enemies and you sent your own beloved Son to make us friends. We thank you, God, that within uh, with Christ in us, we carry a powerful peace. And I ask, Lord, that you would explode the revelation of that truth within us today. That peace would build up and overflow. And that, Lord, there would be a time when we say, I've got so much peace, I've got to give some away. We pray for that grace this morning. And those, Lord, alone, without hope or God in the world, Holy Spirit, draw them now into the family of God that they might meet Jesus, Prince of Peace. We pray in His name. Amen. If you have committed your life to following Christ, you carry that powerful peace. This is your opportunity to just remember and say thank you for what Jesus has done. So you can come down the diagonal aisles, take a piece of the bread that um, represents the body of Christ broken for you. dip it into the wine or the juice that represents his blood that covers and cleanses your sin. There's grape juice on the inside stations and wine on the outside. So when you're ready, please come forward. Will you stand with me? We see in that last section of Ephesians chapter 2. Mike, you got that point? So we're no longer strangers and aliens, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being our cornerstone in whom this whole structure, our church and the church that proclaims Jesus around the world, is growing together, joined together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord. We're being built together into a dwelling place for God. As we live in the powerful peace that's resonance within, and we love one another in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, church to church, country to country, nation and people to nation and people, we're being built into a place where God dwells. And God lives in the midst of us as we walk in peace one with another. It's an astounding reality that we bear, not just individually, but corporately, the presence of God into the world. Let's pray. The uh, ministry team could come forward. We'll prepare to close. God, we are thankful that now we are no longer aliens and strangers, but we're fellow citizens in the kingdom. And God, that what you're doing in us And all through the world as you're building us into a holy temple that you're dwelling in. We thank you, God, for the reality of your presence in our lives. We ask, God, for grace, faith, and courage to carry your peace and your presence into the world. God, we love and adore you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer this morning uh, for any issue emotional, spiritual, physical health, we would love to pray for you. Um, otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and have a great day.